Many of you have seen on social media that a Satanist from South Africa met Jesus face to face and now supposedly is saved. Now, I cannot stay silent anymore. And on this episode of Real Talk, we're going to break it down. Did this Satanist truly meet Jesus face to face? And is he saved? Stay tuned. Welcome to Real Talk with Jordan Riley, where the real talk does not come from me, it comes directly from God's Word. And as you heard from the intro, we're going to discuss this supposed conversion by a Satanist in South Africa. Let's get into it. Now, this is big news. Lest you think I'm kidding, it is everywhere. It's being picked up by news agencies, it's all over social media, and let me be very clear, almost every false teacher that I know and I, that I study is tweeting about this, posting on Instagram, sharing the videos. It is major, major news. Now, supposedly this man, his name is Ryan Swigilar. It looks like I, if I pronounce that correctly, he supposedly met Jesus face to face and got saved. Now, I'm gonna tell you right at the very beginning and then we're gonna break it down that I believe absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, this man is not saved. This is a false conversion in every sense of the word. And I'm gonna back that up biblically. And so what we're gonna do is, I, because I cannot stay silent anymore, we're gonna take and we're gonna look at the facts. We're gonna take what he has said with his own mouth, his own testimony, and we're gonna compare it against what the word of God says. Here we go. First of all, he starts off and he says this all throughout the thing. He says, it's all about love. Say it. This was this when I fell on my knees on the beach and I said to God, okay, I thank you for this grace. What should I do? And he said, tell, show people it's love and help, help people to see themselves through my eyes. Okay. Nowhere in the Bible, yes, God is love, absolutely. I'm not going to debate that. But it's not all about love. It's all about Jesus. And more importantly, it's all about the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Okay? It's about the gospel transforming our heart because the gospel is about Jesus. Also, he says that he doesn't need to hear scripture. What? Uh, said no verse ever. In fact, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. If he doesn't hear scripture, he's not saved. He has to hear the gospel presented. He has to hear the words of Christ because that's how faith comes. Also, he says that if you question his salvation, you are not saved. I've, I have a lot of Christians questioning um, why, no, my salvation, but then I question the Holy Spirit in them. If you, if you as a believer, if you claim to be a believer and a Christian and you question my salvation, I'm going to question the Holy Spirit in you, like if you actually have the Holy Spirit. And again, you're going to see this throughout this list, said no verse in the Bible. In fact, Jesus, many, many times in Matthew 7 and in John 7, calls us to judge, calls us to discern between false prophets and good prophets, and we're to judge things. 
So let me be very clear. Nowhere in scripture does it say, hey, if you judge someone, you're not saved. This guy is already getting really shaky and it's getting worse. He also says, as many false converts do, we're all God's children. Oh, no. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says that only through faith in Christ, which is based on God's will, not ours, are we adopted and given the right to become God's children. Okay, yes, we're all God's creation, but not everyone is God's children. Next, he says that the Quran and the Bible are God's word. Houston, we have a problem. That's not true. I'm sorry, but the Quran is not even close. It is garbage. It's blasphemy. You know, God's word is God's word. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. I'm sorry, but God gave us his word, which we have fully contained from Genesis to Revelation. There are no other books. There are no other scriptures. That's it. He also says that we experience God by our feelings. That's something you see all throughout his interviews. It's all about feelings and love and all this stuff like that. But let me be very clear. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that our heart is wicked above all else. It's deceitful. Only God can actually understand it and, and hold it in his hands. And let me be, So what that verse is saying in Jeremiah is that our feelings will lead us astray. Your feelings will end, land you in the ditch. My feelings will land me in the ditch. That's why we're, we're to worship, John uh, 4.23 says, in spirit and in truth, not in feelings and emotions. Check that out. Now, this is an interesting one. He says that he has the gift of sight, not like with your eyes, but you know to see things into the future. By the way, he used to be a medium and a mystic for years in the satanic church. But he says that God has shown him things that we all have been waiting to hear. Ooh, goody, goody. And I ask God a lot of questions, things that I've, as an atheist, I've always said, but these are the like 10, 20 reasons why there can't be a God. So all those questions is the conversations that, that I've been having. And I got answers to all the questions like that we as people want to know. I've got it. And that's the information that we're putting out there in, over the next while. Wrong. Bruh. I'm sorry, that is not biblical. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Revelations 22, verses 18 and 19. And 2 Timothy, again, 3, verses 16 and 17. Prove this man wrong. God is not giving new revelations. God did his final speaking in and through Jesus, which we have full record of, in his word, and that is sufficient, that is enough. He also says that if you look through his whole testimony, there's not one bit of talk of any kind of brokenness over sin, nothing. And according to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 verse three, part of the prerequisite of coming into the kingdom and being saved is a brokenness, a mourning over sin. There's none of that. And that's the hard part. Also, this is going to shock you if it doesn't already. I, I still can't even believe this when I heard this. He said that he begged God for forgiveness. And God said, or supposedly told him, that there's nothing to forgive. And what I keep on getting was, I'm not, there's no, there's nothing to forgive. It's, it's part of your it was part of your life. It's, I've prepared you for something. 
What? I, I mean, I'm sorry. First John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 is very, very clear that if we think we have no sin, that we're deceived and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God would never tell anyone, I'm sorry, you don't have anything to be forgiven for. Then why did Jesus die on the cross? For fun? No, I'm sorry. He did it because the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. And that man is wrong and is lying and he is deceived. Also, he says that God is not male. Now, he's partially right, but partially not. When I showed her that perspective, she said she feels that she can now ask God to reveal him themselves because God isn't just male either. God is spirit, it says in John 4. But if you look at every description, every time that God is represented or spoken about or referred to, it's in the male. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus said, in, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He didn't say, our mother, hallowed be your name. Okay, God is in the male pronoun. Okay, he is in the male representation. So that man is wrong. Now here's where I get really, I, I get ticked off about this kind of stuff. He says that he met Jesus face to face. So I saw him standing there, um, Middle Eastern descent, and his eyes was too intense to look at. It was like, I, I, I couldn't, he has the most beautiful, kind, deep eyes. Like, I, I, I couldn't look at it too long. Now, I'm sorry, but here's the thing. Let's look, at the, let's look at someone in the Bible who did meet Jesus face to face. You might know him as Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, there's a story where Saul was going to persecute Christians and he's walking down the road and he's blinded by a, a severe light and he, has, he loses his sight for three days. And Jesus appears to him and asks him, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? And Jesus saves him and Jesus begins to teach him his word, teach him the gospel, teach him the truths of scripture. And what happens? Now get this, it's total transformation. God changes his name from Saul to Paul. And Paul goes on to be, I believe, one of the greatest apostles in the Bible. He writes more than a third of the New Testament. That's how the transformation went. This guy was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of Christians. Now he's a lover of Jesus. He's, he's humble. He's broken over his sin. And all he can talk about is Christ. It's, it's just amazing. Now, and, I, and just, just a side note on that, that, that gentleman from South Africa, if you really study all this thing, there's no transformation. He, again, he might've had a, an experience, whatever that means, but I don't see a change of heart. Also, you're gonna, you're gonna just, this is, this is insane. So supposedly Jesus told him that he needs this man for the kingdom. But I asked the same question. I said, why? And he said to me, because I need you for the kingdom of God. 
Did you hear that? I'm sorry, but let's be very clear. Jesus needs neither you nor me or anyone. He is God Almighty. And by definition, God is completely sufficient. Okay? He doesn't need us. He has need for nothing. And so I'm sorry, but nowhere is Jesus going to show up and say, Oh, I need you. You're just so vital to the kingdom. No, that's not biblical. And it's a lie. Also, he says it doesn't matter what religion you follow. And I'm not telling anybody, you shouldn't do this and that, and this should be your religion and this. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter to God either in terms of religion when it comes to the light. Let's call it the light things. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's, true. That's called universalism. And it is absolutely false. You see it on people's bumper stickers, coexist. No, I'm sorry. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only one. No one comes to the Father but through Christ. He's the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Okay? There aren't many paths. It yes, it does matter who you follow. And following Jesus is not just a religion, it's a relationship. But let me be very clear. Christianity is the way because it promotes and teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He also says that he doesn't regret being involved in Satanism. I don't regret being involved in Satanism. I don't. Um, because I've seen it for what it is now and that it's a very small thing. It's, it's a very small thing. It doesn't actually have a big consequence. Again, go back to Matthew 5, 3, the mourning, the brokenness over sin. I mean, this guy is like, yeah, no big deal. I worshiped Satan for years. <laughs> nah, Satan and I were BFFs. No, I would be so broken over that. If you've seen my testimony video right up here, you can see that I, I hate my sin. I'm broken over the years of deception in my life. This guy blows it off like it's no big deal. Now, we're going to go to the last and final thing. And I, you have to get this, you guys, because this for me is the straw that broke the camel's back. If all those things weren't enough, this is it. And that's this. He proudly is a homosexual. The management or the, let's call it the council of the church, they probably knew first. And obviously my husband, um, he knew because I told him about all this stuff. And two other people that are close to me. We've been together long time before I was involved in Satanism and all those things. So it's not about now Satanism versus this. It's not like we're on two opposite sides. Our marriage is built on something like it's a soul connection. He proudly talks about his gay marriage with his husband. Did you hear that? Okay. He did not renounce his homosexual lifestyle. And according to 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, he is not saved. Paul makes it very clear in, the, in 1 Corinthians that people who are homosexual, effeminate, murderers, liars, cheaters, swindlers, they will not enter the kingdom of God. But then in verse 11, he says, but such were some of you were. He has not changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You don't get to be a Christian and keep living the lifestyle you were before you came to Christ. It does not work that way. We do not come to Jesus on our terms. 
We come to him on hymns, or his and his alone. You have to get this, you guys. It's super important. And the fact that he says that he is still married, still homosexual, that they are soulmates, shows you that this man is not saved, that he did not encounter Jesus. And I'm going to say this really quick as we come to an end, because I want you to see this. And that is this, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to come through the narrow gate. He did say that there are few that find it. The narrow gate is hard. It's constricted. You come alone. You come naked. You don't come with your baggage on your terms, your way. It is, it, it, please understand this. I think it's in 1 Corinthians, I think. Um, the, the, Paul says, let me be just very clear, that Paul says that there are, there, are, there are demons that roam around as angels of light, deceiving people, okay? And I do not believe in any way, shape, or form, based on the facts and the truth of what we've talked about tonight, that this man had an encounter with the true Jesus, the Almighty God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He had an encounter with a demon who was an angel of light dressing up as Jesus. I'm just telling you right now, why do I believe that? From not only from the facts, but because this man feels good and he's not been transformed. There's not a heart transformation. When you come into an encounter, when you are exposed to the gospel, when the Lord opens your eyes and radically saves you, you cannot be the same. You can't go back to your old lifestyle. You are radically changed. Ezekiel 36 verses 25 and 26 is very clear. That God gives us a new heart, puts his spirit inside of us, cleanses us with water. I'm telling you, the word of God transforms our life. Jesus and Jesus alone transforms our life. And let me be very clear. This guy from South Africa, and I know this sounds judgmental, but I'm going to be very clear. He has not been transformed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He met a counterfeit Jesus and he is deceived, and he is still going to hell, and he's taking many people with him.